Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. It's finally here. I cannot believe we finally made it to this point. But Andrew and I are going to go watch football practice tonight. I never thought I'd be so excited to go watch practice. But, man, it is a great day. Fall camp back at the University of Montana starting tonight. They actually got started over in Bozeman a couple days ago. So that means football is here. We got you covered here at Nuanas Now. You're listening to 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Start this thing off with the Montana Football Hour. We're going to talk all things Grizz football, Bobcat football. Going to hear a little bit from Brent Vegan, Montana State head coach. Uh, Andrew Houghton in studio with me. He's going to then make a run down to University of Montana and go interview Bobby Houck. So we'll have that for you. I'm going to grab some players after practice as well. So uh, a ton of coverage coming up both today and throughout the rest of this show as well. And the first poll from Stats FCS is out as well. Five Big Sky teams in the top 25, but not as many in the top 10 as you might imagine. Not like some of the other polls uh, from around the country for the preseason. So we'll cover all that in the Montana Football Hour. Hour number two, Tommy and I, Andrew, Robert Chase, Mike Smith, a whole bunch of us from here at Missoula Broadcasting Company. Fortunate enough to have a great night, Saturday night, at the Kettle House Amphitheater watching Wilco. 
it was a new experience for me. I'm not very familiar with them. I've always heard the legend of Wilco, and uh, it was a phenomenal show. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, recap it, and uh, maybe give you a couple previews of some of the other concerts we're looking forward to. Also, the Olympics is a wrap. I can't believe that it's already a wrap. Uh, crazy how fast it went. But I'll give you some of my highlights from around uh, Tokyo, some of the best performances from Americans and other countries as well. And uh, then I'm going to give you some musings on the NFL as well. And about 5.30, excited for this as well, Iggy Fitzgerald. He's a uh, senior, I guess a recently graduated senior from Missoula Hellgate. He'll join us as part of our senior spotlight, one of the top distance runners in the state of Montana. Uh, he will be our featured senior spotlight guest about 5.30 uh, in this show. Time for the Montana Football Hour, presented by Skyline Sports. Go check out SkylineSportsMT.com uh, for all the best coverage in the Big Sky Conference, particularly when it comes to the Grizzlies, the Bobcats, and everybody in between. Got some good features up there right now. We're going to have some camp coverage for you coming up as well, so uh, go check out SkylineSportsMT.com. Speaking of Skyline Sports, Andrew Houghton in studio with me. And uh, before we get to Grizz football and Bobcat football, i got to ask you something. I screwed up last week on the show. I was talking about Lionel Messi and uh, his move to this French club. I, I misstated that this French club was a EPL team. Instead, they're not. Uh, I had this whole thing confused. I was expecting him to get this gigantic contract. I know he's going to get paid well, but I sort of spun the story in the wrong way. So straighten me out. Messi is actually leaving Barcelona, and he's going to what is a, a much diminished level of competition. Do I have this right? Yes, in the broad strokes, yes. He's going to Paris Saint-Germain, which is, you know, the best team in the French League. And, you know, before last year, had won the French League for, you know, seven or eight straight years, right? There's not the level of competition that there is in the Premier League where everybody, you know, is getting money from the TV deal. You know, there's six or seven of the best teams in the world. The French League is basically Paris Saint-Germain. And everybody else. Okay. So it's a it's a very much a case of the rich get richer. Okay. So explain this to people because I don't think – I don't I only sort of understand the hierarchy. By the way, we if you're watching on SWX Montana television, that's why I got my Real Madrid scarf here. I don't even know where I got this. Uh, people that – I'm not, I'm, I'm not, not into uh, football as it is, soccer. I think it's fun. I like guys that are into it like Andrew because then they can tell me about it and I don't actually have to follow it. I can just sort of keep up on it. But I got this somewhere along the lines, and it's a cool little relic. Anyways, this is like the, the this is the rival of Barcelona, right? You should have told me we were talking soccer to lead off the show today because I could have brought in my Barcelona scarf. Ooh, that would have been we good. Could have had them both hanging up. Oh, that would have been good. That would have really set the stage. But to explain to people the way that the leagues work because there's like La Liga, there's these, you know, but then there's also the European Premier League. So w- how does it all work? Right. So the leagues are in the countries. Uh, so there's the English Premier League, right? La that's Liga, La yeah. Liga in Spain, the Bundesliga in Germany, Ligue 1 in France. I mean, all the way down to sure. you know the Czech league, whatever. And they play each other, or what's the league where if you don't perform up to par, you get kicked down to a different league? That's all the leagues. If you okay. don't play well in the English Premier League, you get kicked down to the second tier and the third tier. And the English, you know, the English system has you know 20 tiers in it, all Got the way it. down to like amateur teams that play on Sundays from these small towns. You know, okay. it'd be like Haver playing Kalispell or something. Uh, okay. Then the big one is the European Champions League, which is all the best teams from all of these country leagues, right? Yeah. All these domestic leagues. And that's where, you know, if you finish in the top 
four in England or in Spain or the top three in France. You go up to the Champions League, you play against all the best teams across the continent. The Champions League. That's what I always get the English Premier League confused with. The Champions League is what I'm always thinking of. Exactly, yeah. So the English Premier League has... 20 teams in it from all across the country. The Champions League is going to have, you know, 48 teams in it from from all across the continent. That's what Paris Saint-Germain is trying to win here by signing Lionel Messi. Because they're going to win the French League. They they lost last year to, to Lilla in what was, you know, a great story the first time in years. That is not something that's going to be repeated, most likely. Okay, so now we got it all straightened out. Thank you to whoever corrected me on Twitter. Somebody had tweeted at us, uh, at 1029 ESPN. You can find us on Twitter or at Coulter underscore Nuanas or at Skyline Sports MT. Um, so thank you to whoever pointed that out. I, I always like to correct myself. Ryan Tutel used to hate this, but, you know, I'm a newspaper man by by trade. And so, you know, when you screw something up, you run a correction. So I'm running a correction. I, I sort of screwed up when I was just talking about Leon Messi off the cuff, but... Uh, Thank you to Andrew for, for straightening us out. Okay, out and let's talk a little bit of Grizz football. So to fill in the blanks here, Andrew started working for me leading up to the 2018 season. Is that right? Yes. At Skyline Sports. So Andrew covered the first two Bobby Houck seasons, and then he's been in Pocatello uh, covering the last two Idaho State seasons, one of which happened uh, this most previous spring. So he's had a, a gauge on the Big Sky Conference, but been away from the Grizzlies. <laughs> Funny to think that... Uh, you haven't missed a game, though, right? Is that right? Exactly right. I, I guess I left right. after the 2019. No, I left going into the 2019 season. Oh, so you right. So, so you did not cover. That's right. So you covered the Bob Stitt for a year and then Bobby, Bobby out for, for year, year one. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So my first question for you, because we're just going to kind of bounce off, because I've been in Missoula this whole time, so Andrew has some questions for me as well, but I want to get his perspective because uh, he has been sort of away from this team but still keeping an eye on them, and now we're gonna about to dive back into them. So your perspective on the Grizzlies coming out of 2018, which ended in uh, whatever nickname you want to call it, but the Crazy Cat Grizz result uh, where Tucker Yates and Derek Marks basically stuffed Adam Eastwood on the goal line, fumble, Bobcats win, uh, Cats go to the playoffs, Grizz don't, first time Bobby Hawks ever missed the playoffs. But then you sort of had a gauge on the Grizzlies during their 10-4 and four year uh, in 2019 as well. But what were some of your biggest storylines, question marks, all that coming out of when you, when you first moved away from Montana and now that you're coming back to Montana with the Grizzlies? I guess the big one after, you know, seeing that 2019 season is just like, what is the ceiling on this team? Like, how close are they getting to, yeah. you know, the best that they can be? Because I think one of the big narratives is that Bobby's trying to win with Montana players. True. But also trying to win by scoring a bunch of points. Different style. Absolutely. So a lot of changes. Uh, I think he also trusts in the notion of winning with your quarterback more than he used to as well. Which is another one of the questions that I have for you, and we'll get into yes, it later. Yes. Um. What is the ceiling on, you know, this new style of Bobby Houck and Montana Grizz football? And, like, especially the big one for me is, like, can you still win a national title when you are recruiting 50 Montana kids, right? When you have 50 Montana kids on your roster or mm-hmm. it's just the talent not there? Has everybody else in the FCS, you know, moved ahead of that? And is the ceiling going to be the quarterfinals? Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting question. The thing that makes Coach Houck so smart is he knows how to put a high priority on Montana players, and it seems to me, at least in this iteration, still be 
as athletic as anybody in the league because I think that Bobby Houck understands multiple f- factors in his second iteration as the head coach at Montana. I think, one, he does understand that he always has understood the paramount importance of Montana players. He also knows what positions this state is going to feed you players at that uh, at those positions. He's so good at recruiting and developing offensive linemen. He almost always gets guys for half price, so to speak. And one of the two of them will just end up working out. And sometimes then you get a two for two like Dylan Cook and Colton Kites, who I don't even think shared a half scholarship when they first came to Montana. And then now you have two guys that have started some games on the offensive line. But I also think that he understands now probably better than his first iteration that Washington Grizzly Stadium and the passion for football in Montana makes it so that you can sell any brand of football to some of the most explosive skill guys around. And I think that they're going to continue to go out of state and recruit. Bobby Hell can sit here and say he doesn't think about stars or recruiting, blah, 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 blah. But they're going and getting guys like Aaron Fonts, who's picking Colorado. He's picking Montana over Colorado, Colorado State, San Diego State. They're going to get guys like Xavier Harris, who had you know low-level Mountain West offers. So I think that that's going to be the biggest difference. Is they're going to go? They always have uh, gone out of state for some things, but I think they're going to go prioritize big-time offensive skill guys because you can sell them just the glitz and glamour of, of Washington Grizzly Stadium, and then you can c- combine those guys with the guys from Montana. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's what you have to do in this day and age. Yeah. I also think that Coach Houck, uh, he always took transfers his first tenure. But oftentimes those transfers were, uh, for lack of a better term, just being used. He would bring in guys, uh, transfers from FBS programs like at receiver to challenge guys like Ryan Bagley and Mike Ferrer. And then when the Montana guy still wins the job, you're better because you have better depth, but you also push those guys to be better. Now, though, I think that they're recruiting transfers as plug-and-play guys for essential positions. And I think that... uh, they've done a pretty dang good job with the transfers. Most of the transfers that they've recruited have been good, if not really good. Yeah, I think the most impressive thing about what Bobby Houck has done just, you know, since he's been back is that, you know, I'm not, there aren't too many outstanding questions about this team. Sure. Like, I don't have any doubts, I don't think, that this team is now going to be a playoff team for, you know, one, two, three, you know, however far out into the future you want to project. So that's why that's why now I mean the questions get a lot more granular and you're thinking like okay what is the ceiling on this team but it's you take a step back and you look at where the program was before he came in it's incredibly impressive that they've even reached the level that they have where we're not asking you know are they going to make the playoffs every year are they even going to be contending for a Big Sky championship every year that's that's a big step when you look at the big picture. No question. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. It's the Montana Football Hour. Andrew Houghton in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. It's the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport, new to Missoula. They're located at the corner of Spurgeon and Mount. Head on down and check out the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. You can also hit them up online, nwmsrocks.com. In terms of your question about the ceiling, there's always what-ifs within the scope of a football season, no doubt about it. And uh, there is... Uh, always impactful injuries. I think the fact that the Grizz got to the quarterfinals of the playoffs, despite some of the injuries that they did suffer during the 2019 season, uh, was a testament to their depth, to be sure. But my biggest what if for the Grizz, which is why the what their ceiling could be remains to be determined, is that 
two of the three most important players on their offense got hurt during 2019. And Dalton Sneed made a valiant comeback to get back in the lineup, but he was an absolute shell of himself. He went from among the best athletes playing quarterback in all of college football, and I'm not exaggerating. I really do think he was one of the better dual-threat guys in the, in college football, a top-20 guy in the country for sure, uh, not just at the FCS level. I think he's that athletic, and I think he's that good throwing the football. I mean, that's why he's a pro. That's why he's playing uh, up in the Canadian Football League. But uh, Snead getting hurt and Sammy Akem getting hurt, I think, really put a it put an automatic concrete ceiling on their season. Again, it's a whole bunch of what-ifs, but what if Dalton Sneed isn't hurt? Does Montana get blown out in Bozeman? How much did that Bobcat game influence the Grizz? Not really, because they scored 73 points two weeks later in the second round of the playoffs against Southeastern Louisiana, excuse me. But you win that Bobcat game, you take all the momentum in the world into the playoffs, you probably get a top three seed, you're the Big Sky Conference champions. Uh, For better or worse, you dodge a... Big Sky team probably uh, until the semis at least instead of in the quarters where they had to play Weber, a team that was hungry for revenge after losing a few weeks earlier in Missoula. And so I just think that, um, again, what-ifs are a part of football across the board, but I do think the what-if of of the Grizzlies, I think that their ceiling was even higher than what they accomplished in 2019, and they don't have Dalton Snead at quarterback. So what's that ceiling going to be now? Which leads me to to then my next question. Bobby Houck has, you mentioned, he's filled in a lot of the holes. They seem way more deep and solid. But there's no Dalton Sneed, there's no Samari Torrey, and there's no Dante Olson. Those are three guys that were in the program that are no longer in the program that were three of the best players in the country at their position. So how does Montana replace those guys? Is that a huge question mark to you coming into this fall camp? Absolutely. And let me flip this one back on you real quick because this is sure. one of the questions that I had. How, how certain do you think that – Cam Humphrey is going to be the starting quarterback going into the season. I mean, is there a real competition there? Man, this is such a convoluted question because on one hand, several people that I trust that uh, definitely have knowledge within the program say that it's not a competition, that they're going to continue to develop Chris Brown behind the scenes and they want him to push Cam Humphrey, but that Cam Humphrey's the guy and that the guys in the locker room believe in Cam Humphrey. Bobby Houck has said on multiple occasions, he said, hey guys, it's as cut and dry as this. Cam Humphrey will be ready, and if he is not ready, that's on us as coaches because he's been in the system for multiple years. He's a smart, talented guy who's now a senior. If if he's not ready when it's his turn, that's on everybody involved. But Bobby Huck said that's completely on the coaches. So I think it's going to be Humphrey's spot for sure, but they're going to let Chris Brown push a little bit. Yeah, and I wouldn't even be asking this question if it wasn't you know, Bobby Houck that we're talking about, no right? With a guy like Cam Humphrey, who came in as a top Juco recruit, yep. been in the program for forever. He's competed for the job before. I mean, with Dalton Sneed, uh, any other program would be like, oh, yeah, of course that's the guy. But we all know that Bobby likes to have competition. He's, he's not going to hand anybody a spot. There's no doubt about that. And I'm interested to see some of the other transfers that he brought in. Uh, like if Kirk Reigold, the transfer from South Florida by way of Oh, man, he, he was at multiple different stops. But regardless, if he's there I uh, today, I'll be surprised. I, I, I don't expect him to be there or on the roster anymore. Uh, Robbie Patterson, where does he fit in the mix? Another guy from Saddleback Junior College, like Cam Humphrey, uh, that came into the Grizzlies to add some depth. So that that is a, a good point because in every iteration of Bobby Houck, with the exception of when Craig Oaks one uh, basically fully won the job halfway through the 2003 season and then kept that all the way to the national championship game in 2004. Other than that, 
Coach Elk has wanted and and created competition for every single one of his quarterbacks. I mean, I Cole Burkos is one of my good friends and the, and a guy that you know hung out with in college, lived with for a brief moment in time before he went to the CFL. And I remember Cole had to beat out Jason Washington when he was a freshman. He got beat out by Josh Swagger, Swagger, who came in from Washington State when he was a sophomore. He had to fend off Andrew Sell when he was a junior and a senior. I mean, so he ended up starting 30-plus games and still had a quarterback competition every fall camp. So you're right. They are going to push him, but I just don't know if they know if Chris Brown is ready or not. But that's that's the whole thing. is they win, The coaching staff wins no matter what. Tim Rosenbaugh, Brent Pease, the offensive coaching staff, they win no matter what because either you have a veteran guy who you've been preparing or the young kid's just too good to the, keep up the bar the is high enough that if Chris Brown beats him out. Right. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. For sure. I'm just so curious to see how they operate w- within the scope of the competition because is it going to be Humphreys taking all the reps until he stumbles? Are they going to trade it off and try to like cultivate some competition where see who does better what day and then maybe – Maybe Humphrey is running the twos the next day. I don't really know how they're going to do it. I'm, I'm interested to see the way that this procedure works. We'll start finding out today, which is why I think we're both so excited to like go there and start answering these questions, right? Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanas, Andrew Houghton in studio with me. It's the Montana Football Hour. Let's talk about the other two headliners then, because I do think that Dalton Sneed, when he was at his best, was one of the best guys in the league and one of the best guys in the country. I do think he's going to be hard to replace. I, regardless of how good Cam Humphrey could be, Cam Humphrey's not going to go out and rush for 220 yards and three touchdowns in a game like Dalton Sneed did against Sac State a couple years ago. But that's okay. I think that it, uh, if he operates the offense solidly, Montana can still score a lot of points. The other two guys that are big-time All-Americans that Montana has to replace from the 2019 squad Dante Olson, the Buck Buchanan Award winner, and Samari Torre, who is now at the University of Nebraska, a wide receiver who set Montana's single-season record for catches and yards uh, in a single season. So um, I'll let you pick which one of these guys is harder to replace. Oh, good question. Um, I think that, wow, you put me on the spot here. I think they're going to have a harder time replacing Samori Torre just yeah. because I think the rest of that linebacker group is good enough, right? I mean, it's yep. the, the easy answer is that you you still have a first team All Conference guy at both of these positions with Jace Lewis a linebacker, yep. Sammy Kim at wide receiver. So yep. that that makes it you know both of them easier than quarterback, I think. Just For sure, if you're looking at it simply, I think that the quarterback question also complicates the question of how they're going to replace Samori Torre, right? Yes, because if depending on how Cam Humphrey comes in. You know, it becomes harder for those wide receivers to replicate that production. This is uh, something I think about all the time when it comes to offensive play calling or play calling in general, but specifically on offense. Almost everybody in college is running a form of a system now. It's why the quarterback plays so efficient because it's just one, two, three reads you always have. I mean, theoretically, every offense is an option offense. It's just a matter of how you're distributing the ball via the run, via the pass. But you have an option on every single play. So theoretically, if you make the correct read, the offense should operate at a 100% efficiency rate. Most college kids can get to the point where they can make 70 to 80% of the right reads. And so then you're you're literally completing or gaining positive yardage almost all the time, uh, not even by being any sort of spectacular. And so uh, I think that the, the distribution of the ball is going to be interesting. Um, but I do think that Cam Humphrey, I always wonder, though, why can't teams go outside the system? In other words, if I was the Grizzlies, 
I would have this whole system that I'm running, but then any and every time that Cam Humphrey needs bailed out, draw something up and throw it to number 18. Sure. And I just feel like that's sort of the lost art of college football. We see it in the NFL all the time, isolating one-on-one matchups and attacking weaknesses. So often in college, though, it, teams have a hard time going outside their system. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I just, you know, who who are the other guys at wide receiver who are going to step up? Because like you said, right. I mean, if you're trying to distribute it equitably, right. you have to have other guys you can count on. It's funny, the last time I saw Montana was when Idaho State came up here. Right, in 2019. In 2019, and that was basically what they did. Right. For a lo- you know, Idaho State scored two quick touchdowns, and Washington Grizzly was, was just dead silent. And then they just started throwing the ball to Sammy Kim once they figured out that neither of Idaho State's corners could cover him. I think he had, like, nine catches by halftime. Yeah. And that's what they should do. It's, it is the matchup that will favor them almost always on Saturdays. I also think that... Mitch Roberts is is a good to could be a really good player uh, on the outside. I think Keelan White's a guy that's got a ton of buzz internally. Still waiting on Malik Flowers. Malik Flowers is a guy that absolutely has the athleticism. Um, but I'm hearing from guys inside the program that he has an opportunity to make the next step. But then of course, it's the time is now for Gabe Solser. Solser, my brother always talks about this. When guys don't redshirt and they show flashes as true freshmen. And then they have any sort of speed bump between that and their junior year. All of a sudden, their career is half over, and it seems like it's gone by in the blink of an eye. And that's Gabe Solser. Gabe Solser has the potential to be an all-big sky guy. But he's touched the ball about 30 times in his Grizzly career, and it's already half done. So the time is now for Solser. So I do think they have a ton of talent there. And uh, I do think there's going to be a lot of production that is replaced pretty seamlessly just because of the system. Um but I do agree with you. I think Dalton Snead is much harder to replace than either Torre or Dante Olson. Yeah, where else do you think, I mean, that they are going to have to replace guys? I want to ask you about the defensive line, actually. Okay. Because that yeah. is something that, you know, that's a defense that, that's a group that kind of flies under the radar for them because they don't have the one, you know, all-conference guy at that position. Well, it's, it's also, it's it's not also the, the scheme that they run, too. I mean, basically, the defensive linemen are, are glorified wrestlers at this point. You know, I mean, that that, that was what the role was for uh, the defensive line the last couple of years because the whole scheme, the whole run fits, it's all catered towards filtering it, all towards Dante Olsen, Jace Lewis, and Robbie Houck. Those are the guys that are making all the tackles. Exactly, but that's so important, right? It is. It absolutely is. And so that I think that that's, you know, when, I t- when I'm talking about uh, the less sort of sexy FBS guys that they're bringing in, but the more sort of uh, essential for their um, down and dirty positions, that's a spot where they've really got after is the defensive front. I think that Joe Babros sort of flew under the radar a couple of years ago, and now it seems like he's really found a spot there, a former NC State transfer. Um I know that they really like the progress that Eli Alford's made. Uh, Braden Deming transferring to Illinois State is a, a bigger loss than people think, I think, because Deming is that guy who has a D-tackle body, but he can play D-end in that scheme. So he gives him a little bit of athleticism. He's able to set the edge. He's not necessarily the crazy athletic pass rusher, but tough and going to do his assignment. I mean, going to be assignment sound for sure. So to me, I think that Babros is solid. I know they really like Justin Belknap, the grad transfer they got from Arizona. So they got a couple of guys with FBS credentials that can play on the end. I think that Jacob Begoring is one of my guys that I think could be an absolute breakout star. I think he has a chance to – I mean, I think he has as much upside as, as any player on the, the Grizzlies football team. Um, 
And then the other guy who I think that has an opportunity to well, and first, and Alex Gumner returns, and he was really solid uh, in 2019 as well. Uh, Derry Todd, the transfer from Michigan State, I think they're going to need him to step up and be pretty good. But here's a kid that I haven't heard anybody talk about, and uh, I randomly ran into this kid. Uh, down at the Mo Club at having a hamburger at lunch, and I ended up talking to him because I had just driven from Missoula uh, to Boise, and we went a different way than we usually go on the way there. We went over Highway 12 and drove through, like, Lewiston and Grangeville. Well, this kid, Noah Cashmitter, he's a guy who gray-shirted. He's from Grangeville, Idaho. I remember when this guy came in. He, he was announced as part of the signing class, and then it was announced he was going to gray-shirt. And he was a uh, six foot three, like 205, 210 pound outside linebacker. And I remember Bobby Houck saying, I like this kid. I think he's really robbed. I think he's got the upside to be like some of our old, like walk on Montana DNs. Well, when you read between the lines and you realize those are guys like Mike Murphy and Andy Pedic and Corey Beerman and guys that won the Buck Buchanan Award, then that's pretty high praise. Well, I saw Cashmitter uh, having a hamburger at the Mo Club and, uh, He's not 210 anymore. He's for sure 265, maybe 270. He is big. And so I, I don't know if he's ready yet. I mean, he's a guy that's coming from, I think, do they play nine-man in Idaho or is it eight-man in that's Idaho? That's eight-man up in Grangeville. Yeah, so yeah. he's playing eight-man. So he, he's going to be incredibly raw. But when you see a dude that goes from that to that what when he's in the weight room, those are the type of dudes that are the diamonds in the rough that make these big sky programs tick. So to answer your question about the defensive line, I think that, they, I don't know if they have that headliner guy unless it's Belknap, but it could be McGoring. Is he ready? But I also think they have enough depth that, that uh, it's manageable. That's my whole thought on their front seven. I think they have one elite player on their front seven. That's Jace Lewis. I think they got a whole bunch of really good players, though, and I think they're just going to roll. Like when people ask me who's going to start an inside linebacker next to Jace Lewis, I don't think it matters. I think Marcus Wilnell, Braxton Hill, those guys are just going to roll over and over and over again. And I think Lewis will get it on and off the field, too. So... I think that actually the production, it won't be that much of a dip from the inside linebacker spot. And I think the defensive line is, uh, again, I think they have a couple guys that could be breakout stars, um, but I think they're going to be solid at, at the very least, if not a strength of the team. Let's take a break because uh, uh, there's a lot more questions to get to for uh, the Grizzlies as well as Montana State as well. Bobcats are underway, too, over in Bozeman. They've actually had a couple practices. I uh, heard a couple pieces of feedback from them, but I also got a chance to sit down with Brent Vegan last week, Montana State first-year head coach as well. So we will have Bobby Houck probably coming up on the show either tomorrow or Wednesday, and we'll hear from Brent Vegan, Montana State head coach, as the continuation of the Montana Football Hour here on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Keep it right here, Brett Vegan, right after this. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. 
As of Monday evening, college football is back on both sides of the Continental Divide for age-old arch rivals. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. The Montana State Bobcats began their first fall camp under first-year head coach Brent Vegan on Friday in Bozeman. The Montana Grizzlies opened their third season and fourth year under the direction of head coach Bobby Houck on Monday night at 6.30 p.m. The Bobcats have had to wait since December of 2019 to capitalize on their momentum of their last season on the gridiron. Almost two years ago, Montana State raced to a historic 11-win season that included a 48-14 blasting of the rival Grizzlies in Bozeman, a first-round bye in the FCS playoffs, postseason wins over Albany and Austin P, and the first semifinal berth for the program since 1984. The Grizzlies also took a step towards returning to the ranks of the National League Elite in 2019. In Houck's second season of his second stint leading his alma mater, Montana won 10 games for the first time since 2013, advancing to the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs for the first time in seven years. UM played a pair of games this spring, scoring 107 total points in decimations of Division II Central Washington and Big Sky Foe, Portland State. Montana State opens its season September 4th in Laramie, Wyoming against the Wyoming Cowboys. Kickoff is set for 2 p.m. Montana opens that same day playing in Seattle against the University of Washington. Kickoff is set for 6 p.m. from the capital city of the Evergreen State. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. What's up, Montana? Welcome back. It's Nuana's Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuana's. Hope you had an outstanding weekend. I did. I uh, had a great time at the Wilco concert Saturday night. We'll recap that for you at the top of the hour. Tommy Evans will uh, give you some of his thoughts on, on the what was an outstanding show along the Blackfoot River Saturday night. And then uh, couldn't have been more happy to have some rain. And some cool yesterday. That was that was nice. Sat inside, watched the Olympics, cleaned the house. You know, it was fun. Very good. Andrew Houghton joining me. Rolling through the Montana football hour. We're gonna have a little conversation about Montana State. But first, I gotta I gotta read this. Sometimes we are uh, scrolling through Twitter during the break, getting some more information. Uh, you know, being ADD as we are. But this is from Garrett Bucks, who I believe is a, a freelance journalist and. Uh, a guy that has some Montana roots, but he wrote an essay, and it's all about Missoula, Montana. And uh, it's sort of criticizing what's happening to the towns like Missoula and Bozeman, which I know that growth is inevitable, And uh, but I also, in certain ways, it makes me sad. I think the housing crisis in Missoula is profound. I think that the rise in prices of goods is too bad. I think part of the allure of Missoula was that you used to be able to live here uh, with 250 bucks in your pocket for rent every month, you know, living in a downtown one-bedroom apartment and washing dishes at the, you know, the local diner, and you still were okay, and the community was 
was okay with it. Uh, that was what made Missoula so great. And this, so this sings to my heart. I'm just going to read a passage from this essay. He said, the reason why I never loved any place like I love Missoula, Montana, isn't actually because of Rattlesnake Creek sparkling at twilight or Patty Canyon under a perfect blanket of snow. It's because it used to be the type of town where the folks I washed dishes with at Finnegan's, RIP, could afford to live here on a blank salary, which meant in turn they could spend the rest of their time playing in punk bands at Jays and writing mind-blowing stuff in the indie, and in doing so, changed the lives of teenagers like me. It's because it used to be the kind of town that, when I was spending a summer doing anti-WTO organizing, wow, that turns out to be a millennial phrase, I discovered that some of the most consistent, committed, community-minded activists in town made their income selling incense on the street in front of the Wilma. And the moment that this town has a dollar sign gate on it where the barriers to living in this valley is six or seven figure income, it's not just that you hurt people, you also make this town into a shell of itself. Wow. Couldn't have said it better. I still love Missoula with all my heart, but man, it's changing fast and it's getting weird. But one of the best parts about Missoula is returning, and that's Grizz football. Andrew and I will be heading down to Grizz football practice uh, tonight. They open tonight at 6.30, Dorn Blazer Field. And it is open to the public, so everybody can come on down and check out the Grizz if you'd like. It probably won't be too exciting here on day one. Uh, but we step away from the Grizz for a moment. We'll get back to them in here in just a quick minute. But I uh, want to talk about the Bobcats. I've analyzed the Bobcats quite a bit on the show, Andrew. We sort of went through your timeline in segment one as far as stepping away from uh, being in Montana, but still living in Idaho and now being back in Montana. But what what is your perspective on Montana State? I mean, what, what questions do you have about them, or what do you want to know about the Bobcats? My question for you about Montana State is just where is the weakness on this team? What position group could torpedo their season, right? The secondary. Okay. I think the secondary, I think there's two parts of the equation to having a successful secondary at the FCS level. The first part, talent. I, it sounds silly. A vast majority of schools in the big sky don't have any talent in their secondary. The guys just aren't talented enough. So they're only ever going to be okay. Weber State always has the talent part figured out. Lately, Montana State has. Um, Portland State often does on the back end. Think about Idaho State. You covered Idaho State for a couple of years. That's the spot where all, I mean, they always have okay corners, but this ne- are never elite. They sometimes have an okay, pretty good safety. But you got to have elite guys on the back end. I think Montana State has talent, but they don't have any experience. So that's the part that could, I think, uh, if they don't get up to speed quickly, uh, sort of put them behind the eight ball. And that's what's interesting to me because this is a team that, you know, just from talking with you, looking at their roster, this is a really deep team. They got a lot of talent, you know, offensive line, defensive line, yep. right? Yep. Starts there. They've got Isaiah Fonse. They've got some wide receivers. They've got the linebackers, obviously, with Troy Anderson. And it's just like, you know, on 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 pure talent, this is one of the best teams around, and they they it, it's equitably distributed, right? Like they've got they've got guys everywhere. Jeff Choate was so good at talking about what this team was good at. They were so good at forming an identity and running the ball with authority, which gives you a chance to win every time out. But that said, the number one reason Montana State made the playoffs in 2018 and 2019 is they just had a ton of talent. Yeah. Jeff Choate's a recruiting machine. There's In certain ways, you can argue that they actually, I mean, it's hard to say that a team that went to the Final Four underachieved, but they, they have a, a ton of talent the last couple of years, and they still do. And that's why I think I'm still high on the Cats. It remains to be seen how the new coaching staff acclimates uh, to 
their new rules and, and, and how the team acclimates to the new coaching staff. But here they're there. Here is new Bobcat head coach Brent Vegan. It's about mm, eight minutes from our interview with him during Montana State Media Day last week in Bozeman. You know, it's about six months on the job, um, I think, as of uh, this weekend. And, and could be more excited about the days and weeks ahead of us. You know, for a, for a football coach, um, you know, the members of our staff, you know, this is that exciting time of the year where all your anticipation um, kind of meets reality. And our guys have worked uh, tremendously hard this, uh, this summer. A lot of credit goes to Sean Heron and his staff. Um, you know, he was tasked when we, we got to May to, to get our guys positioned to be in, in a better place in, in August. And the work they put in with him in June and July, um, not only from a strength and conditioning perspective, but uh, he really challenged them mentally and really appreciates their efforts. You know, uh, through the course of our summer, um, we did add, uh, had a few players. Uh, we added four transfers and two high school um, incoming guys and excited about that to continue to move our roster forward and, and we can certainly speak to speak to those guys a little bit today but uh, yeah excited to be in this place excited to be on that field tomorrow and uh excited about the you know 2021 season of bobcat football so f- from there i'll open it up for questions one is now 1029 espn missoula brent vegan montana state head football coach when asked about the run game, Montana State led the Big Sky Conference in rushing in 2018 and 2019. The only school besides Cal Poly to lead the Big Sky in rushing since Cal Poly joined the league in 2012. Significant because Cal Poly runs a triple option. Montana State, some would argue, have been running a version of the spread triple option, or at least the spread option, these uh, last couple years out under Jeff Choate and his staff, but now a new look on offense. Yet Brent Vegan, he comes from Wyoming, a place where they had run the football pretty darn well uh, each of the last several Several seasons he was the offensive coordinator there and although he does have a acumen so to speak for developing quarterbacks it's the run game that's always been the identity of vegan whether it's at north dakota state wyoming will that remain a part of the identity for the montana state bobcats this year here's brent vegan's answer i, I certainly feel like it, it has to be our foundation um both running the football and stopping the run and uh uh, there's a lot of returning pieces um, from 19. Um, you know, up front, certainly Isaiah, um, Lane Sumner were both with key ball ball carriers back then. You know, we have a couple holes to fill uh, from that starting group back in 19, but feel like the progress of, of some of our younger guys um, is moving the direction we want. Uh, and then running back wise too, I, I think it's uh, it's a situation where we. You know, we aim to have better depth there. Um, you know, we're, we're not relying so much on, on putting all the, the burden on Isaiah in particular. So, you know, I think we're still a work in progress solidifying, you know, the five, six, seven alignment, how that's going to look. I think there's plenty of competition ahead of us, you know, here this fall, but uh, excited about the guys that are ready to compete. Coach, when you go and do the first day of fall camp, what are some of the things that you feel like need to be established right off the bat with your team? Well, I think what's different in the fall than the spring, you have an established number of guys. So we'll have an excess of 100 guys. So so we'll practice um, in a fashion where, where reps, getting reps is a priority. Um, you know, certainly our systems were new in the spring and our guys had a chance to go through um, whether it was player-led practices, meetings this, this, this summer that was maybe to some degree a second go-around, but now 
you know, what you want to see is those schemes and those, those techniques take hold with our returning guys uh, pretty quick and integrate those new guys as quickly as possible. Um, you know, certainly establishing a template of practice from the, from the get is something that we, we need to be able to do. So. Ball camp so often about storylines and emerging young players. So, what sort of position group battles do you expect? Which position groups do you expect to be the most highly contested? And what sort of opportunity is this for some of the guys that maybe haven't played a lot of football around here? Well, the the, the group that I point to immediately is the secondary. Um, you know, we uh, we're going with a, a five DB system. Uh, there's certainly some experience back there with Tyrell Thomas and Ty Okada in particular. Um, you know, I mentioned we added Trey Webb. Uh, Eric Sombrano's got some some experience at the corner position. Uh, Miles Jackson, James Campbell, um, James Manning, Rylan Ort. I think for that whole group uh, to sort out, and, and I know there's a couple other guys I didn't mention. I think we have you know the ability to to take about ten guys down to the, the eight that we really feel good about. So excited about that. Um, I think in the D line, you know, there was there was faces that uh, whether it's the two transfers I mentioned or you know some of the guys that were either injured partway through fall camp or, or spring ball, you know, or you know weren't a part of it going in um, that we're really excited to see. You know, uh, Marcus Weir is a name out of Billings that. Uh, I know previous to me getting the job, I think everybody was really excited about. So to see what he can do on the interior, we, we probably we saw flashes of what Chase can do. Um, Byron Rollins, I, I think, is another one that we saw here and there. Tua Aretta um, saw just flashes, you know, uh, uh, meaning it was just it was a small amount of days. So defensively, it's that secondary sorting out, and then interior in particular on the defensive line. I, I think I think at the receiver position. Um, you know, I think guys like Lance and, and Coy and Willie um, have established themselves to some degree. Um, but I think there's talent beyond that that has to continue to come along. And, again, it's a situation where you're trying to probably pair eight, nine guys down to six. Um, and I'd rather have it go that way than trying to, you know, create five, six out of four. Um, so, you know, on the, on the offensive side, you know, we talked a little bit about the offensive line coming together, but really that receiver position with – opportunities still out there really excited about you're listening to nuanas now 1029 espn missoula statewide television swx montana tv it's the montana football hour this interview an interview from media day at montana state last week with montana state first year head coach brent vegan brent vegan talking about previewing his team's upcoming fall camp his first at the helm for the bobcats you've been through a lot of fall camps before but in terms of evaluating the defensive side of the ball from a head coaching perspective what do you expect that to be like for you? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think in the spring, the, the way I approached it was uh, to be supportive both ways. I, I'll continue to be, you know, very much involved on offense, but I have to, you know, have my, my pulse, you know, have a pulse on what's going on in defense. So that's spending time in both uh, both meeting rooms as far as you know, uh, reviewing the film in particular. I guess both ends of the field as we're going through practice. Um, you know, constantly having those conversations with, with the staff on how they see it and, and maybe giving my feedback, um, you know, because we do have enough uh, spots up for grabs, whether that's, you know, first-team spots or second-team spots. So I, I think it's just, you know, being present on both sides and, and continuing to communicate. Speaking of quarterbacks, what's the dynamic like with a guy who hasn't played any games here like Matt McKay 
also though with new coaching staff, new offensive coordinator, is there some symmetry there since sort of everybody's kind of new to the table? Yeah, I think I think for everybody in that that room, February was a, a restart. Um, you know, whether that was Tucker and Casey who had played, but Matt had been brought in, whether it was Matt who was kind of dealing with that dynamic uh, of being brought in and not having a game in 2020. It was a, a reset for, for the whole group in, in an open competition, quite frankly, in the spring. And, and, you know, we laid the depth chart out relative to where we were at the end of April, um, you know, and, and they'll all get reps. Um, you know, Tommy Malat certainly in that mix as well the next couple weeks and, and we'll continue to sort it out but uh, you know whether it's refreshing or whatever I, I think they all you know felt that okay we're kind of back to zero and we're moving forward and I, I think it's been I mean I think for all of them it's been a positive situation and you know maybe especially for for Matt I, I suppose because 2020 for him was in a pretty unusual year. I mean again started games with the ACC former force of recruit so what do you think made him that sort of pedigree of a recruit? Well, I think he's, you know, from a physical standpoint, has the size component, um, can throw and, and, and can run. And, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm sure just like we found out that he's extremely competitive and, it, you know, he loves the game of football. Um, you know, he's as in tune and as immersed as, as anybody on our team. And I'm sure in the recruiting process going back, that was all part of it. So... Uneven experience, certainly at NC State. Um, it's been a long time since he or any of our guys have played, but uh, he's really hungry to get back out there and, and get going. We're going to talk more about that, plus the first poll is out as well. Keep it right here. Nuwana's Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Newman is now on ESPN Radio. this Tommy I like this this is uh Portugal the man Ooh, Portugal the man I missed this show I was uh I was out of commission for... it's you know you didn't miss much Coulter it's just a bunch of dad rock <laughs> oh man can't wait for our Wilco recap thanks for tuning in it's the uh it's the variety show review here 
and Anuanas now. Talking music, but also, of course, talking all things sports. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Andrew Houghton joining me in studio. Uh, as we close up hour number one, here's the Montana Football Hour. We do this the first hour of each Monday show. And uh, right now, presented by SkylineSportsMT.com. Speaking of SkylineSportsMT.com, we have premium content. We have some free content as well. One piece of free content we got up there right now. Is a great feature story that Andrew wrote. Uh, Andrew Houghton working for us here at ESPN Missoula as well as Skyline Sports. Uh, kind of breaking down the quarterback situation across the league. An interesting deal when you talk about 13 teams in the Big Sky Conference. You have a guy that's started 29 games in his career in Davis Alexander returning at Portland State. You got a guy that's been a starter since he led Eastern Washington to the 2019 National Championship game in Eric Berrier, uh, who's now a senior there at Eastern Washington. And then you got uncertainty across the league. Even guys like Chuck Arovic, who started the majority of games for a playoff team in 2019 at Montana State, he's got a lot of competition with both Casey Bauman and Matt McKay. A guy like Cam Humphrey, who started multiple games each of the last two seasons, 2018-2019, that is, for Montana. He has some competition, too, namely from Chris Brown, uh, the redshirt freshman, out of Bozeman, Montana. And then all the way across the league, a lot of uncertainty. But, Andrew, you saw a good amount of the spring season, having covered Idaho State. So I want you to kind of just break down some of the quarterbacks you did see because I know that uh, particularly the guy you were covering, it seems like even if there's sort of new faces at quarterback, one of the teams in the big sky that has one of the most certain faces at quarterback, even though he's only been there for a little while, is Tyler Vanderwall, the, the Wyoming transfer at Idaho State. Yeah, the, the, the thing that's interesting about the quarterbacks is when we're talking about the quarterbacks in the league, it's really a litmus test for how much – you value the spring season. Like if you take the spring season at face value and you say this was a real season, just a little mm-hmm. bit shorter, there's some teams in Idaho State and Southern Utah and maybe Weber State that have to feel pretty good about their situations coming in. On the other hand, if you look at the spring season and you say, well, that's not a real season, as I know Montana said, right. Robbie Houck said, a lot of people around here said, you know, there are teams that are dropping out halfway through the season. Half the conference isn't playing. You know, it's a six-game season, and you say, well, I don't count that experience at all. Then everybody in the conference, basically, except for Eastern Washington and Portland State, is coming back with the quarterback that they don't know what they're going to get out of them. But I think that, you know, Tyler Vanderwall showed a lot at Idaho State. Justin Miller down at Southern Utah they're really high on him, and there too, I was just mm-hmm. writing about these guys because uh, Plug will have the second half of that article coming out this week, just taking a look at every quarterback situation across the league, trying to put them in order, trying to make some sense of this. I was just writing about Tyler Vanderwall, Justin Miller. They're really similar in that they came yeah. in in the spring season and for the first time in the Big Sky Conference, played well. They're really, really different in that they are just complete stylistic opposites, right? Like Tyler Vanderwall has the big arm. He's not afraid to use it. He threw 10 picks in six games, but he was throwing for 300 yards a game, right? And he was doing it Mm -hmm. with a bunch of freshman receivers. He's always going to take the shot if it's there. You know, he's rocking the long hair like mullet this spring. He's just a a big kind of – he plays big, right? Justin Miller, on the other hand, he's completing 66% of his passes. He's moving the ball down the field, you know, dink and dunk, really efficient. So they get it done in different ways. But those two guys, I think, from the spring season are guys that, you know, the the early returns are that they can, they can play quarterback in this league, and that would really, really help the depth of, uh, at, you know, at quarterback in the league. I think that the the teams that probably have the biggest mysteries at quarterback coming into this season 
are uh, two teams that didn't participate in the spring whatsoever and one team that only participated in half the spring. So the three most mysterious quarterback situations to me are Sacramento State, who we have not seen play since the playoffs in 2019. Since then, Big Sky Conference offensive MVP Kevin Thompson, grad transferred, went to the University of Washington, wide open at Sac State. I know they brought in a transfer. I think that there's um, you know, there's going to be a, a competition there, but but if evidence shows that Troy Taylor is good at picking a quarterback, he also has a guy coming in who went to Folsom High School where he used to be the head coach, Cal Poly. Because I think that Bo Baldwin is uh, always going to be on the horn trying to find his guy. And the fact that Cal Poly only played in three games in the spring leaves them a little bit of mystery. And Montana State, because the fact of the matter is Matt McKay's been on campus at MSU for two years. He got there when Vanderwall got to Idaho State. Yeah, and he has not played. And so, But he, he's, he, a guy that started half a dozen games at NC State. So a guy that has the pedigree, to be sure, um, what will he amount to uh, remains to be seen, but I do think that those are the squads that have the most mystery among uh, their quarterback spots. I would throw Idaho on there too. I don't think you don't think Mike Beaudry's Beaudry. Be guy, yeah. I don't think Bo. I personally don't think Beaudry is going to be the guy. But uh, even if you do think he's going to be the guy, I think there's going to be a lot of competition there. Interesting. We'll continue to track that for sure. Montana football hour here on Nuanas now, one hundred two nine ESPN Missoula. Wrap this up. The stats perform FCS preseason top twenty five is out. Number one, Sam Houston. They went 10-0 during the spring season. They won the spring national championship. James Madison is number two. South Dakota State, the national runner-up, is number three. North Dakota State, after a completely anomalous three-loss season, mind you, they lost eight games in nine years before the spring season, so three losses a ton for NDSU. They're still number four. Delaware comes in at number five. Weber State, the highest of the Big Sky Conference teams and the Big Sky Spring Champion, which means they're the four-time defending Big Sky Conference champions. That's Weber State at number six. Southern Illinois uh, comes in at number seven. Southern Illinois went to Ogden and beat Weber State in the playoffs uh, during the spring season. North Dakota comes in at number eight. Montana comes in at number nine. Jacksonville State, 10. Eastern Washington, 11. Montana State, 12. UC Davis down at number 23. And then Sac State is 26, 27, 28, 28th. So the third receiving votes is Sacramento State, who shared uh, the conference championship. Uh, not as much respect in this poll as there was in some of the other preseason polls for the Big Sky. Are you surprised? No, not really. Because teams like Montana and Montana State didn't play in the spring. And because, I mean, even teams like Weber State, they just haven't shown that they are in that upper echelon yet, right? I mean, the Big Sky might have four-seeded teams again, but... I don't know if any one of those four teams can win the national championship, right? They don't have the James Madison. They don't have the North Dakota State. I think it's an interesting debate whether you'd rather be like the big sky with four teams in the top 12 but nobody in the top five or whether you'd rather be the CAA, which has maybe you know four teams in the entire top 25, but also James Madison could win the national championship, right? Right. It'll be interesting to see. I, I, that's a debate for later on uh, this month because I do want to know which teams actually can win the national championship? Because we think that the playoff mode is the best way to determine these sorts of things, uh, but sometimes not necessarily the case. Uh, I don't really know how many teams actually could win the national championship. We'll debate that later on this week, maybe into next week as well. Montana Football Hour in the books. We do this the first hour of every Monday show. Andrew Houghton, kind enough to sit in with us, cutting him loose because he's got to go write a couple radio ads before he goes on down to uh, Dornblazer Field. The opening of Grizz football. Uh, we'll have Bobby Houck, uh, his opening statements and first press conference from before uh, the opening of fall camp here later on this week on Nuanas. Now, thanks so much for coming by, man. Of course, man. Always good talking with you.
Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. I went to a concert. The Olympics is over. The NFL is fast approaching. All that and much more here on Nuanas now. Keep it right here. ESPN Missoula, as well as SWX Montana Television. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home it's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 